Hey everybody, welcome back to The Rental Realist. My name is Tyson Hill. In today's episode, we are gonna talk about the ROI on paper, which typically looks really good, versus the ROI in reality. So you wanna know how to make it in the yeah, real estate yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We about to put you Come up on, on game. So like in real life, you know, when we make a purchase, you know, most of us are very calculated in what we're going to buy. Um, we're going to think it through. We're going to try to evaluate, you know, quality, value, price. I mean, there's a lot of things that we look at, especially on a more important purchase. Um, and typically where, where price meets value is kind of that intersection of where you decide to make a purchase. Now, when we're talking about rental property, this can get a little bit skewed because it, it's it's just different. For example, if I buy a new set of tires for my vehicle, I don't necessarily know what my return on investment is going to be. You know, I, I know that I'm buying a quality product. It should last longer, but I can't really quantify it. I can't come up with a number and an exact like, oh, this was my return on investment on this set of tires that I bought. And when it comes to rental property, we can measure that. And so as landlords and investors, we put a lot of uh, stock in that. You know, we want the highest return possible. So what that does to a lot of investors is it makes us pay really close attention to how much things are costing. The more expensive things are, you know, the lower the return. And so naturally, we're trying to you know, maximize that return as much as we possibly can. And sometimes uh, to the detriment of making good, sound decisions. Sometimes we'll go with a cheaper option because it helps our immediate return uh, that isn't necessarily the best choice. Uh, that might cost us money down the road, might cost us even money in the short term, or maybe we, we're attacking a problem with a less expensive option that isn't the best option that will you know come back to haunt us a little bit later or something like that. And so as investors, and it's just been my experience, you know, watching the behavior of investors. And it's really easy to fall in this trap. You're looking at like, you know, we're in December, right? So I'm looking at my return in December, or I'm looking at my return for 2019. And I'm not looking at it from, you know, what's going to, what's going to put me in a position to have the highest return over the next five to 10 years. And if, if we can use that mindset and, and look at it through that lens, Many times we're going to make a lot better decisions, and I will give you a couple of examples of what I mean by this. So let's look at this from a property management standpoint. Let's say you own a property and you're going to hire a property management company. You know, the first question I typically get asked when somebody's interviewing me is, how much do you cost? And I get it. They want to know because that's, you know, that's going to have a big impact on their ROI. And so they want to know how much things cost. And so what happens is a lot of times investors will get sucked into who the cheapest is because it helps their ROI on paper and it looks good, but they're hiring an inferior company that essentially is going to cost them a lot more money in other areas. So, you know, they're looking at it strictly on paper. Hey, this is a better deal. But in reality, it, it's not going to be a better deal. 
So a few years ago, I was being interviewed by a couple of investors who had recently purchased a home. Um, and these guys, they were actually pretty, pretty smart in what they were doing. They chose to meet face to face. We had a few different interview sessions and I know they were interviewing several companies around town. Uh, and in the end, they had narrowed it down to two companies, myself and another company. And I got a phone call and they, they said, Hey, we, we like you, we like another company, but this other company is willing to do it for $20 less per month. Would you be willing to lower your price? Uh, I opted not to lower my price, uh, for a few different reasons, not to get into it, but basically I felt like, you know, I'm not like them. I, I know I'm better than them and I don't, I don't want to charge what they charge. And so, you know, through their interview process, obviously they thought we were probably pretty comparable and, you know, kind of based on what we're talking about, my assumption would be, well, we like both of these companies. Let's go with the one that's a little bit less that improves our return, right? On paper, they're going to get a better return hiring that company versus hiring me. Well, fast forward a few months and I get a phone call from these guys and they say, hey, we would we would like to hire you to manage our house. Our, our home is still sitting vacant. We're not, uh, haven't been able to secure a renter. We'd like to move services over to you. So I took on the house within a couple of weeks. We got a renter lined up and uh, rented the home. Um, in thinking about this, my thought is, you probably wanted to hire me in the first place. This is just my assumption because if if you thought that we were equal, you wouldn't have asked me to to, to lower my price, right? So they obviously, I might have had the edge, but you know when it came down to price, they liked these other guys too, and so you know they would get a better return hiring that company. When you look at the return on investment between, you know, if they would have hired me up front versus hiring this company. I estimate they lost about $6,000 by hiring the company that was less expensive. And so this just kind of hammers home my point of, you know, the best ROI on paper isn't always the best ROI in reality. Yes, they saved about 80 bucks in management fees, but they cost themselves $6,000 by doing so. Now, this is an extreme example, and who knows? Maybe we were very comparable, and sometimes, you know, sometimes you can get the wool pulled over your eyes a little bit. You know, we all sound really good in the interview process, right? Actually, just uh, was being interviewed last week, and this, you know, this lady had has had a horrible experience with property management, and she kept saying, you know, you sound great, but you sounded like these other two property management companies too, right? So, you know, I'm not faulting this investor group at all, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, they, they felt like we were, we were neck and neck. And so they, they made another choice, but I share this story to just illustrate, you know, because I have had other clients or not clients, but people who've interviewed me and, and they will, you know, they'll not go with us strictly based on price. They're literally looking for the least expensive property management company thinking that, we're all created equal and they're all going to do a good job. So on paper, they're like, oh yeah, I'm getting a better, better return. And in reality is they're getting hammered because, you know, they hired an inferior company that's not doing a good job and likely costing them thousands. Now let's apply this logic to selecting a renter. I also recently had a property this last summer uh, that I had, I'd started managing. And, you know, when we take on a vacancy, 
or a new property that's vacant, what I'll do is a really in-depth market analysis, and I will try to you know, figure out where the market rent is going to be. You know, and that's that's quite a process. And I, I called this particular uh, landlord and said, hey, this is what I got. This is what your competition's doing. This is what's recently rented in the area. This is the price I think you need to be at to get this done. Well, he's like, nope, that's, that's not enough. I want to rent it for X amount. And I you know, politely said, well, it's your property. We'll do what you want. However, you know, you've got competition right around you who's significantly less than you. You're going to sit there a while uh, until those rent and then just hope that nothing else pops up on the market that's going to put themselves in a better position than you. And he held strong. He's like, nope, I think my property's worth this and this is what I'm going to do. I said, okay, we'll, we'll do it your way for a little bit. And we'll see how it goes. So what happens is you end up getting... You know, the people that are inquiring, obviously we didn't have great activity at all. And the people that were calling it, like I'm just recalling, you know, some of the phone calls I got. I remember getting a phone call late on a Friday afternoon and this guy's like, hey, I want to rent this condo. And I'm like, well, uh, don't don't you want to see it first? He goes, no, I, I just need it. I need it now. I need it for my kids. I'm trying to help them out. You know, and, and typically when somebody wants to rent something sight unseen, that's kind of a red flag in my business, you know, or at least to me it is, uh, because it shows some level of desperation. And so the few calls that we were getting were a lot like that. Desperation, just kind of odd situations. People who are willing to pay more than market rent aren't typically the kind of people that we want to rent to. So after a while, we finally had somebody who wanted to rent the place. But here was the catch. Yeah, they were qualified. They looked great, but they only needed a six-month lease. They weren't from here. Uh, and so being that this investor was desperate to get some cash flow coming in because it's just sitting vacant, you can't make any money with, with, with a vacant property, uh, he accepted this applicant. Yeah, so it's, yeah, he's getting the higher rent, but it's a six-month solution. So in six months, he's going to have a vacancy, likely going to lose at least a month's worth of rent. And so, you know, when you look at this and you kind of zoom out, he limited himself so much by setting this high price that how many opportunities did he miss out on that he'll never know because they weren't even looking at his property because he was he outpriced the market. You know, we have properties where we've had tenants who've lived in one place 30 years, 20 years, 10 years. I mean, we have a lot of those tenants. I'm not saying he would have found that person, but how do you know? Because he priced himself out of the market, not only did his property sit vacant for way too long, uh, now he's got a six-month lease, and he's going to have to do it all over again. So, yeah, does his ROI look really good on a month-to-month basis right now? Oh, yeah, he's happy about that. But when you zoom out and look at it for the full year or the you know the next few years or five years or whatever it is, that return on investment isn't that good because he's always chasing the high ramp. And I could give you an example after example of how investors – all they're concerned about is they want to look at that monthly spreadsheet and be like, oh, look at this return on investment. And they're not factoring how much money they're actually costing themselves over the long term by doing, you know, by managing their property that way. So don't fall into the trap of looking at that return on investment on paper. And I'm not talking the actual results. I'm talking when we're penciling out like, hey, if we do A, B, and C, this is going to be our return on investment. Because that's where you get yourself into trouble and you start making decisions that aren't the best decisions because you're so worried about that short-term ROI 
that you're not thinking about that long-term ROI, which, you know, that's where it's at. And investors are notorious for putting, you know, analyzing a deal, putting their numbers on paper and thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to get a amazing return on this. And the reality is we normally undershoot, you know, things that can actually go wrong with a rental property. Uh, when I run my numbers, I try to be as aggressive as I can on things that could go wrong. Uh, but it, you know, I like pretty numbers too, you know? And so it's, it's really easy to try to just paint these pretty pictures of, you know, how perfect this rental property is going to go. And the reality is a lot of years are going to be perfect. You know, you're going to have that year where you have no vacancies, no repairs really, and you have a really good year. And then that next year, your tenant might move out. You got to paint, you got to put some new carpet in the bedrooms or something, and your return's not going to be good that year. And that's where investors can get themselves into trouble as well as like, ah, oh, this thing's just not performing. No, it is performing. You just had a, you just had a down year. But if you zoom out and look at, Hey, you know, last year was really good. The year before that was really good. And my property's gone up 25% in value. When you look at it as a whole, that one bad year or bad month, you know, it's not that big of a deal, you know? And so yes, ROI, very important to look at, but what I'm, my caution to every investor is, you know, ROI on paper isn't always the same ROI in reality. So try to be realistic and and don't base all your decisions on what's going to get me the highest ROI this month. Think of it this way. What's going to generate the highest return on investment over a long period of time? And if you make your decisions based on that, you're going to set yourself up for some really good long-term success. All right, time for me to get out of here. And as always, thanks for taking a listen and we will see you on the next one. 